all by myself. I'm a big boy now. All right, so the last two weeks we talked about kindness, fruit of the Spirit. And uh, of all the fruit of the Spirit of the nine, kindness and what we're going to now, goodness, of all the fruit, these two are the most connected because it really, kindness goes into goodness because, uh, so we're, it's kind of, this is going to be kind of a bridge from kindness to goodness because I think kindness is more of the attitude of being a kind person, which leads to goodness actions and being good. I think the one, the book I'm using here calls goodness, kindness in action. No, I, well, it depends. I guess if you're talking verb, maybe it's the opposite, but we're talking now. Kindness in your heart leads to goodness. We're talking about kindness of the attitude towards other people is you, you want to be kind towards them and then that leads to being good well, i think so well, then that's what the book i was reading says kind a uh, goodness is kindness in action kindness is of the heart and that leads to goodness in action and so faith's very upset because she didn't bring a jacket and she's mad that i don't wear a jacket so i don't i guess this is <laughs> i think last one week you were here it was actually warm in here yeah <laughs> One week you weren't here, it was actually, I think we made a comment that she should be here. It's nice and warm in here. <laughs> I think someone didn't, I, I think this, no one turned on the air conditioner and I think, well, Gwen should be here. It's nice and toasty in here. Um, so if you were, now this sounds a very simplistic question, but let's answer it. What is, what is goodness? Huh? Okay. No wrong answers. No wrong answers. Unless you say it's being mean. But anybody else? How would you describe goodness? Of, of, doing something for the sake of being kind without ulterior motive or intention. Ooh. Good. Good. Yeah. I guess Chris is always worried about his answers. Like Clayton's going to get mad at me if I answer it like this. Which, oh, she's, Faith is going to fix it. <laughs> she's a doer. I don't, or she's about to kill somebody. She's, uh, she's very crafty. I think you increased it. It sounds like it. I guess it's coming through a smaller, yeah. Oh, yeah, because she increased it. There you go, Gwen, right there. It's going to. That's not. It sounds like it's a, we're in a hurricane. So I like that. So goodness involves lack of doing it for you. But what was it? Sacrificing or not out of selfishness? I'm thinking. That's good. Anybody got anything else to add to this? Here's a point. This is a question we had in Bible college that made people mad at each other. Can sinners be good? There's a lot of people who said no. <laughs> I, I agree with you, by the way. I, 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 can sinners be good? And the Bible says, you know, Jesus told the person, someone came up to Jesus and said, good rabbi. He says, why would you call me good? Only God is good. 
And then so those people take it, well, you know, we're only good because we have Christ in us, so sinners can't do anything good. But I see sinners doing good things all the time. And we sent very good. Yeah, there you go. That You're going with the argument when the one stop is doing it in that class. You know, we, we're still sinners. We're saved by grace. But I see a lot of, st- I've actually met a lot of nicer sinners than I have some church people I know. <laughs> you know, just, you know, it's, it's, it's really an amazing thing. So, so we've been talking about kindness the last couple of weeks. And once again, I'll go back to what I was saying about kindness. Like everybody that's sitting in here, you're my Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's easy for me to feel kindness towards all of you. And I'm going to say the same thing about goodness. You know, if Lance needs help with something, if it's within my power to help him, if he needs to fix something mechanical, he's, he needs that faith. But, <laughs> but if it's in with my, you know, Lance says, oh, I need help. I can be good and help. It's easy. He's my Christian brother. The getting the credit is, and we said this last week about kindness, it, it, we get credit for being kind to people who aren't kind to us. We also get more credit for being good to people who it's hard to be good to. Some people are just honorary. And we allow ourselves to take it. So what, what keeps us from being good? Very good. Selfishness. Sin, yeah, I mean, but I mean, that sin is the big umbrella, so there's, a, I like the emotions because, in fact, I'm, I'm in Ephesians here, what, what'd you say? Pride, ooh, our pride keeps us from being good, interesting. I think that's a great point because I think that's what's interfering. You know, we, we really have a hard time, I think, putting others before us. And it's hard to be good in that situation because we're looking out for ourselves. You know, it's just, you know, you know, I just, I watched a program one time on, uh, oh, it's not hoarders. What is it? The people who stock up on stuff in case of bad times. Uh, Preppers, that's it. I was about to call them hoarders. That's a whole other issue. But, yeah, they, yeah, they can be, yeah. But I, I watched one, and they were quoting the Bible and stuff like that. But then they said they had their guns, so any of their neighbors came wanting their food, they were going to shoot them dead. I'm like, <sighs> I just, whoa. Now, in case of nuclear strike, I hope it hits my house. Because I want to go on, <laughs> I, don't, I do not want to survive to be in a nuclear wasteland. <laughs> I just, I'd rather... I'd rather be God into heaven and I mean, you guys can deal with all the starving and the radiation. I'd rather, I hope that nuclear weapon hits my house, you know, just take us out and I'm in heaven and I don't have to worry about prepping. Uh, but I, I, I like all the kind of like the selfishness, uh, the selfishness, the number one and the emotions. When we put this together, that's actually a great little combination of a cake we got. Cause I want to Ephesians chapter four verse 31 it says let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice (laughs) kind of you know uh be kind to one another there's the kindness 
tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Then we go into chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ has also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now, when we look at that, that is a thing describing what usually stops people from being good. The first part, bitterness, envy, malice. And we get caught, that's kind of the emotion, the selfishness, the putting number one. And the reason why Paul's saying this is this what blocks us from being the type of representative of Christ that he wants us to be to other people, even much so with people who aren't Christian. Now, Paul's talking about, hey, Christian brothers and sisters, you shouldn't act this way towards each other. But I think he also teaches that this is us in the world, within the world framework of being a representative of Christ is about goodness. Now, trying to define goodness, what I mean, are we trying to, are we, are we just, just doing good things or doing good deeds? I think it all kind of comes in the thing. Now, he goes into from the malice, the bitterness, the slander, talking about let's be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Be imitators of God. So the Bible says God is what? He's good. God's good. There's no debate. What God, that's where me and my Calvinistic friends really kind of get different. They say one word to describe God, they talk about sovereignty. And that's why they say he picks some to go to hell and some to go to heaven because he's sovereign and that you have no choice. We as Arminians, within our beliefs, we believe the main thing about God is his goodness. God is good. And it, and it does mean something. I, this is, we're not Calvinists here, I don't think. We're not, our Assemblies of God is not a Calvinist organization. But the, the, the Calvinists, like they say, that before time began, God already picked whether you're going to heaven or hell, and there's no free choice. That, uh, Clayton's going to hell. Lance going to heaven, you know, things like that. And you have no choice because he's sovereign. God's goodness, I think, fights that. You know, because I always argue with my Calvinist friends. I said, so God makes you eternally a sinner and punishes you for that. That's like programming your computer to do something. And when it does it, you throw it against the floor because you're so mad because it does it. And or teaching your child to steal from a store. And when he gets caught, you punish him. You know, it makes no sense. I think God's goodness keeps him from doing that. He, I just believe he gave us free choice, uh, free will. And I think that's what he does want worship, but he wants it free. You know, if I found out faith, the only reason why faith married me was because someone threatened to kill her if she didn't. It kind of takes away the love. <laughs> you know, I'm just in here because someone threatened to kill me. You know, I just, you know, I'm hoping it was her free choice that she was with me. You know, and so, but God is good. Uh, he died for us. He loves us. He blesses us. God is good. So we're to be imitators of God. How would you describe God's goodness for your life? What, what has God been good to you about? Let's, let, let, huh? He's, and we're going to get into faithful fruit here in a few weeks, but yeah, how has he been good to you? Well, come on. Come on. Let's be specific. I mean, can, I mean, maybe there was a healing in your life. I mean, I'm talking, I want specifics. How has God been good for you? My kids, my family. Okay. My kids and my spouse, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gives you what every day? Waking up in the morning and you go, there we go, got a good start. And there's no wrong. Maybe the way I should have asked the question, how do you view God's goodness working in your life? Because it could be unique to certain people. All those spiritual answers, man. Well, I think every good gift comes from God above. What happened now? You know, somebody came to Ford, so that we got it to Starbucks, and it's like, oh, it's all already taken care of. And I was like, well, we'll take care of the other people. And I was like, oh, they were calling orders, so you're good. See you later. <laughs> like, all right, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so just seeing God's love um, manifest in your life, and just in this weird, mysterious ways, you know. But it's evident that it's God. You know, I mean, it's not like it's just coincidences. You know, it's just like this is God is just continuing to show His love in your life every day. Sloan gets another uh, all clear from the doctor, you know, for cancer. You know, it's like you just it's things in life you just you don't take for granted. That's a great point because with many of my clients that are dealing with depression and anxiety and things like that, and this sounds so trite and so touchy feely counselor and stuff, but I really try. You got to start noticing the good things about life and realistic good things not making up fake goodness because some people make up fake goodness but i mean you know what do you have to be gr grateful for and, and what is good about life i had a teenage girl came and she was really dealing with depression real and bad and she talked you know, you know that old uh was it louis armstrong song or i might be messing up the guy's that what a wonderful world what a wonderful world she despised buys that song if she if that song came on the radio or came on tv she had to turn it off and she would go into almost a rage now she had a lot of past trauma and stuff like that but you know she just didn't see anything good about the world now there's a lot in the world to complain about that's not good not, and that's sin that, that's sin nature that's sin you know it's satan it's everything but when you get it's almost to being an extreme pessimist or but you know you know we're just there's nothing good about this world this it's just horrible it will send you down a downward spiral towards depression and negativity and and all that so you know what, what lance was saying here was we almost have to we look we we, we want to take notice of those good things when you see two kids playing together and they're 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 liking each other and you man that's a really they're not fighting, you know, hey, there's not a fight going on. But, I mean, it's, it's just a nice thing when you start. I always tell people, look for the good in your day. Um, you, know, I, you know, I'll tell them, say, you know, when you're going to bed at night and you're laying in bed and you're thinking about your day, try to point out what good happened today. Because we always go, what bad happened today? Okay, I'm not bringing up my mom. She is, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs>
And then somebody from the church, I don't even know who they were. It was the church that said it. Right. Somebody at the church brought me a bouquet of flowers. It was just some Costco flowers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped. I said, wait a minute. I mean, you mean someone from the church went and got flowers and brought them to your house for you on your birthday? It was like she was dismissing. But she said she'd had a bad birthday. Yeah, she said she'd had a bad birthday. But I'm thinking somebody took time, went and bought flowers on a Saturday morning, drove them to your house and brought them to you, and it's someone you've never even met. Mm-hmm. And thought that you know, usually the common denominator of love is that choice. Somebody made a choice. choice to say, you know what? Somebody did this nice thing for me. Yes, and those two kids, whatever the analogy there, they made a choice to play together. Those people in front of us at Starbucks made a choice to pay for art. They didn't have to. It was 12 bucks or whatever it was. Um, me having that conversation, you, you know, when and I, choosing to be together. You know, love, there's effort, there's yes. choice there. And it goes completely against predestination because there's no choice. Exactly. I hate that Calvinistic argument. I've seen a lot of Calvinists. <laughs> if they're, first of all, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Boy, he goes crazy. He goes crazy on that stuff. But believe it, now, most Calvinists do not believe in counseling. Uh, but I have seen many, if those that are willing to go get it, there are a lot of Calvinists that deal with depression. Uh, and, and I think I want, and, and the, the thing, well, I actually had a lot of them. I had one word of prayer, big on Calvinism, actually came and said he is so depressed because he can't be guaranteed of his salvation because they even teach that you may think you're saved and you're not. If God didn't mark you for salvation, you may think you are, you're not because God chooses not you. And he, and it's scary. It's, it scared him to death. He says, I've, I'm doing everything right, but I still may not go to heaven because I'm not chosen. I saw a hand over here. What's Oh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's actually called reform theology. Uh, it's based on John. <laughs> it's based on. I think they're. I think they're going to heaven. They're just wrong about this. It's how they view salvation. It's based on John Calvin's theolo- theological teachings. Uh, basically, what it comes down to is he taught that it, predestination, which was before the beginning of time. Like, let for example, take a big vat of everyone who was ever going to live. It, we're all in a vat, and he goes, Chris hell Gwen heaven Lance hell you know Clayton heaven and there's no choice he picks who goes to heaven and you have no choice and they base it on they base it not one on his sovereignty that God picks and you can't do anything about it and they actually say that the people in hell will glorify God for sending them to hell but if it's a place of wrath I don't see that makes no sense well, and, and actually, I, and I knew a guy that daughter died, and he says, I sit and glorify God for my daughter's illness and death because in her illness and suffering, God is glorified. And I went, no, that's sin. <laughs> I just, that was, suffering was not his choice. And if you take the qualifications of saying God is our ultimate father, and if we applied all that stuff to an, an earthly father, we would put, we'd call CPS and put him in jail. 
you know, it, the way I argued with my Calvinist friends is, okay, it's like you have five children and they all get a disease and you've got 10 vials of the medicine that will save them and you only choose three of them to give it to and you let the other two die. What would we say about a parent like that? It's a horrible parent, but we say that's what God does. And it takes, away, it takes away the goodness. Now, we're of what we lean towards Wesleyan Arminianism. I know I'm getting really deep here. Just trust me on this. Wesleyan, Wesleyan Arminianism. Arminius was a guy who argued against Calvin. And he said, we have free choice. He said, God, God foreknows what we're going to choose, but has given us a free choice. And you're trying to explain, we're, we're talking about time dimension yesterday, today, and forever, you know, tomorrow. That's God created that for us. God doesn't live in that dimension. God just already knows before you're born what you're going to choose, but you're still choosing. He's there on our birth. He's there the day we accept or not accept Christ. He's there on our death, and he's there when we get to heaven all simultaneously. Yeah, the day you're born, he's already there at the day of his death. He's beyond time. Had a professor, a prophet. Uh, no, there's a lot of Baptists don't. No, no, but it's not Baptist. There's a lot of Baptists that aren't. Yeah, there's an arm of baptism, but it's uh, Presbyterians are a little bit, but they're not extreme Calvinists. You're still supposed to preach to them. And you preach the message that God uses to make them realize they're saved. You don't know. That's why you have to preach it. You just preach it and let, that's God's choice. But a professor explained it to me. He, draw, he drew a line along the blackboard back when we did blackboards in college. And he said, beginning of time, Abraham, Jesus, you, your death. He says, you're on the line. You're thinking of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, G, and God is outside. He's already here and he's already here at the same time. It'll blow your brain up if you try to think about it too much <laughs> because it's God. But, but so does that kind of explain it to you? <laughs> I, you know, it just, it just, my Calvinist brothers and I had to go, we just believe that you got to get set. Yeah, but we're already saved, you know, it, it, but it's a, <laughs> hey, you're, and that's the thing. Now they were really convinced they were going to change me. They were really going to convince they changed me. All right, you're not going to change it. But they, I did have some come to me depressed because they go, I did everything the Bible said, and I think God made me do the sinner's prayer, but I can't be sure. I don't even know if I'm going to go to heaven or not. How do you live your life like that? God is love. But they would argue, I'm playing devil's advocate with you. They would say God's love still sends you to hell, and you will love him for it. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to realize he's sovereign. and his sovereignty, he put his wrath on you, and you're going to praise God from hell. Yes, brother, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here, man. Oh, it's, I, I, believe it or not, I'd probably go. I, I, in, in all honesty, and I've got many Catholic brothers. I would go Catholic before I'd go Calvinist. I'd go Catholic before I'd go, oh, I'd go my mother was Catholic, by the way. But, I mean, I'd go Catholic before I'd go Calvinist. Well, he's in charge. 
Every, there's some, the Bible does preach predestination, but it's different than what I think what they're, he, he puts everything, it's trying, to, it's trying to understand God from a man's standpoint. We can't do it. We, we, we're, we're mind, our minds are over men. God is beyond, we, we're trying to explain God from a human standpoint. You never will be able to do that. And he is in control of everything, but through that control, he gives us free choice. Does that make sense? You know, he is sovereign. I, I, I agree with them. We, we believe as Arminians, we believe in God's sovereignty. We, I think I have I have no problem with the the concept of God's sovereignty as an Armenian. I have no problem with that. But I, I view it as because I view him as being sovereign, it helps me with my choices. Is that? Yes. You know, because he's in charge. Tr- yeah, trust, faith. Uh, I, he's in charge. Someday, you know, barring he come back in the rapture, I will die. I'm not going to stay alive forever otherwise. He knows the day. He knows the hour. He knows what I'm going to die of. And so that's his sovereignty. I pray for two different people with cancer. In his sovereignty, one gets healed and one dies, which happens. Same prayer, same faith. Sovereignty. That I, his sovereignty helps me with my faith. That remember, I made a statement long a t- time ago. I'm gonna say it again. I have no faith in divine healing. I have faith in Christ the healer, which is a completely different statement. If I have faith in divine healing, then everybody I pray for better get healed. And if they don't, it's gonna destroy that faith. I have faith in Christ the healer that he can heal whoever he wants to. But in that, sometimes people don't get healed and they die or, or yeah and, and I've I have prayed the same pr- I have been that's where I've prayed two people have the same thing and I've prayed the same prayer had the same faith for both of them one was healed and one wasn't his sovereignty depended that and that's what helps me with my faith and, that's not for us to understand. and it's not for us to understand maybe someday we'll get to heaven and he'll explain it Now you get me in another lesson now. That's new, that's new age. That's new age stuff. Creeped into our church. Not, I'm not our church. I'm talking into the church. And there's people that say, oh, well, you've got to, you know, pray ahead to battle. I'll give the better example. I, had a, I was pastoring a church, and I did a prayer, and a woman didn't like one of the words I used in the prayer. She said, well, God, if you use that prayer, God could take it another way. I said, you're overthinking <laughs> I said, you're overthinking this. She said, well, certain words. I said, when you start going to certain words, you're talking witchcraft. Yeah. 
You're talking new age. There's nothing in the Bible that says that stuff. There's a lot of stuff in new age teaching and new age philosophy. Just trust in his sovereignty. I mean, and when I, my little example, I said, I have, I have faith in Christ, the healer. It's having faith as his sovereignty. When I realized, you know what? God didn't, there was a great guy when I was growing up in my church. He was a Royal Ranger leader and he got cancer. We prayed the prayer of faith. He died. Now, if your faith is in divine healing, you're devastated. We prayed the prayer of faith. But if your faith is in the sovereign Christ, you trust in his sovereignty. In this, You can't explain it. You can't understand it fully, but you have faith in his sovereignty. And we go... My dad died of pulmonary fibrosis. I prayed for his healing. It didn't happen. He died. Now, there's a lot of people who would go, oh, my goodness, why didn't, maybe you didn't pray hard enough. I prayed hard for my dad. What are you talking about? My thing is, though, in the sovereignty of Christ and me praying to him, my dad died. But then it's back to thinking about the good stuff. My dad is walking on streets of gold right now. If I could talk to him and say, come back down here, he would probably say, are you kidding me? Your mother? No, 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 I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm not, but I am. <laughs> I got, she don't, she can't operate a computer. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I'll give the, and that's what I was about to say. He did pray if this cup could pass away from me. But he said, your will be done and give me the strength to do it. And he gave us the great, that's where I go back. Yes, Jesus had fear. I will argue Jesus experienced fear. Well, there's a great point I was going to make originally, but we got it. But this is a good topic right here because I think it has to do because we're talking about the goodness of God. But I do want to come back to a point that you made a great point. It's a great point earlier that I want to go with. But I want to finish this thought out. I just hope I remember. Um, what did you say just now? <laughs> I've already forgotten. This, I'm not old. Huh? Well, God's, yeah, I mean, just, it's one of these, because he gave us the perfect example in the garden. He had fear. I will argue with anybody that Christ had fear fear he had he had an anxiety attack he remember he's all at that time he's fully god and he's fully man hebrews the book of hebrews says we do not serve a high priest who has not experienced the same things we go through it would be an unfair jesus to come and say don't have a spirit of fear and he never experienced fear before that would be unfair on that would be go against his goodness so when he says, I don't want you to have a spirit of fear, he knows because he's talking about fear. He's experienced it. And he gave us the perfect example of how to handle that fear in that situation. He said, he's honest with God. I have never been against not being on. I've never been for being dishonest with God because it doesn't work. He knows your heart. Oh, I'm not scared, God. I'm not scared. Yeah, you are. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you are. But he said, he said, uh, this is the Bible according to Clayton version, Clayton version. I'm about to get tortured. I don't like the idea of what I'm about to go through. If we could do this some other way without me doing it like that, I would really appreciate that. However, your will be done. Give me the strength to endure. That's the biblical way you handle fear.
Yes. No. Sometimes there are consequences. God uses those. God uses our disobedience sometimes to teach a lesson. And sometimes it's not disobedience. It just means there are certain things that happen in life, whether we like it or don't like it, and God may deliver us from it, or he may just give us the strength to endure it. Oh, so not every bad thing that happens to us is based on us being horrible, terrible sinners. It's just sometimes hard to see that good. You know, I mean, I, I, once again, I tell the story of the three kids in my church who were executed, ex- shot execution. Huh? Well, that's where faith comes in again. Because back to that story of the three kids in my church who the guy shot execution style, they were like nine, seven, and one. To this day, I can't tell you the good. I cannot tell you the good that came from that. I have no idea what the good is. I have faith that somewhere there's good, and I'm trusting in Christ on that. And that's faith in him, his goodness. I just can't pinpoint it. If everyone thinks they have to pinpoint it, and you can't. It, anybody can think of any good that came out of that? I can't think of anything good. And that, and that's all on speculation. I just... I, I, I went to God and I was angry and I said, God, I know you're God, but I don't understand. And this makes me angry. God can handle that. If he can't handle it, he's not God. <sighs> I mean, God can handle my doubts. If he can't handle my doubts, he's not God. I, he was my counselor. I was the client and I vented my emotions to him. And in the end, I said, I just trust you, God. <laughs> That's faith. Faith is not knowing. That could be very well the answer. That's all speculation on our part. But that's his sovereignty. He knows. He knows. And I do believe in the end it all. He just trusts that they're with him and that yeah, the, point, the main point is They had just gotten out of vacation Bible school and the, well, the two oldest ones had gone down. I think they even were baptized. You know, I know. And of course the one-year-old, I believe, is in heaven. But Oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> no, I know you're not. I know. I just, oh, God. That, that takes a great deal of faith. <laughs> Trust. Well, no, I mean, it's, and I'm sure he's got, the, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you. That's true faith. But I guess my point was, you know, she was just, I mean, she was, you know, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, and that's, yeah, and that's where, that's where I trust God for his goodness. I trust in, and this is where we come back to the goodness aspect, you know, because I want to go back to Lance's point before we shut down because I, I will not remember it next week. <laughs> because we'll continue. This is a good discussion, though, because at the center of this is God's goodness. Because Lance said something about choice.
trying to remember my point about this. Because goodness is a choice. It is a choice. It is about I choose because we are put before us a choice of doing good or not doing good. And our faith, our trust, our kindness helps us make that choice. That's why all these lead into the one after the other. They go into the other. In order, what helps us make the choice of being good is having a kind heart. If you don't have a kind heart, you're not going to be good. And I really think this goodness goes beyond just being, doing, paying my tithe, reading my Bible, doing good things. I think doing good unto others, I think is huge about this because this, it's healthy for us. The choices that we make and that it, it goes back in the sovereignty. Yeah, God's sovereign and stuff, but I still have a choice. We're not, now we have to be careful. We might touch this on next week more. We have more time because so many people in our churches put the cart before the horse and in order to be saved, we have to do good works. And the Bible teaches we're not saved by our works. We're saved to do good works. That's, that, that we take Lance's point of choice and take it into that, a choice not just to do the bare, to go the extra mile. You know, Christ taught that too. He said back in these, the days of Christ walking the earth, there was a Roman law that a Roman soldier particularly, if he came across, you, if you were a Jew or Palestinian or whatever, and the Roman soldier came by and had a pack and he's walking, he can order you to take that pack and walk one mile, carry the pack for one. This is where this comes from. There's always a story behind all of his examples. The, a Roman soldier had the right to say, carry my pack for one mile, only one mile. It's probably a different yardage thing. I, they didn't have miles, but you know what I'm talking. For one mile, you have to carry my pack. At, at one mile, legally, you didn't have to carry his pack anymore. Jesus did the, he says, if some, that's where he comes back, he says, if someone tells you to, if, uh, tells you to carry your, his pack for one mile, carry it for two. It's the extra, the goodness, and it's choice. Once again, that choice, there was no choice. By law, that the Jew had to carry his pack for a mile. He could, you could go to jail. You get punished for it. It was the bare minimum. Jesus said, goodness is the extra mile. There, I read a thing one time people talk about the golden rule, treat others like you'd like to be treated. Actually, this preacher said, we really need to by, by the platinum rule, treat others better than what you expect to be treated. And that's choice. This is about choice. This is a thing of, you know, when you have to, and once again, getting credit, every single person in here have no problem being good to. Not one of you. I'm like, well, Chris, maybe. But uh, maybe Chris, I don't want to be good to. Yeah, no, no, no. But no, it's, it's easy for me to, like, uh, anybody in here, yeah, being good. Actually, I shouldn't get credit for that. It's more natural. But some of the honorary people out there, it is gritting my teeth being good to them. It really is. If I didn't have the fruit of kindness, it would really be, almost be impossible. And go back to what, like, when we go into Calvinism and the predestined, doesn't that, if we're predestined to do that good act and it was no will of our, no choice of our own, 
it were robots. And I really get back to the, and this is an argument, not for anything that's said in the Bible, just an argument from, I think, reason, because God didn't, God gave us reason and logic. We're, what glory comes from being worshipped by people who are pre-programmed to worship you? They know no other thing but worship you. It kind of, like I said, faith only loves me and married me because someone put a gun to her head. I don't feel loved by that. I, I, I got even great, a great example to add to that adoption of a child, you know, because it used to be a stigma to be adopted. You know, people would hide adoption from their, you, know, you weren't, a, you know, they wouldn't tell the, which is it was stupidity, you know, because what you teach your child, I picked you. I wasn't forced to adopt you. I adopted you from choice. Doesn't that mean, you know, because you know, it was a stigma. Well, you adopted me. You don't love me more than your natural kids. No. I went out and I, we still love our natural. We were forced to love them because we had them natural. It's more natural than that. But, but when you adopt a child, you not, yeah, it was, I'll take that one. You had to go through paperwork and interviews. It cost a lot of money. That's a choice. And that's, to the adopted kid, went, wow, you went through all that because you love me. Meant more. And so when, you know, God says, okay, the only reason why Chris is praising me is I put a little gene in him that makes him worship me and love me that I don't put in other people. Really? Well, and that's kind of how we explain it to Katie adopted. And that's how we explain it to him is that we are all adopted. God chose us. We're not, we were grafted in. I mean, we were chosen. God and you grafted, you grafted him in the family. Yeah, exactly. God chose us and, and took us into his family. It's like, it's well, and that's when Paul said, and that a lot of people get away from the story of when he says, we call each other, we call him Abba, the spirit makes us cry out Abba, Father, which he had just been talking about slaves. Slaves could call their master Father. Many of the time the slaves were grafted into the families, but they were, it was illegal to call them Father. I mean, it was illegal for them to call him Father. It was illegal for them to call him Abba, Father. That's an extra, that was just considered taboo. So when Paul's talking in that passage of scripture to slaves and masters in the audience saying, you were slaves to sin, you were, you were against God, you were a slave. But when he died for you, he adopted you in the family and you just weren't adopted. Adopted kid could not call their father Abba father. However, in God's family, when he adopts you in the family, even though you were a slave, you can call him Abba Father, that's how much he loves you. You have the rights of a natural heir. That's, that preaches better than Calvinism, I think. It much better than Calvin. I praise God for his sovereignty, but my goodness, his love for saying what he did. And then when we worship him, when we don't have to, we choose to worship, I think means more to him. That's the aroma that reaches up to him because you have when I show up to church and I'm tired and I'm not in a good mood and worship's going on, like, and I go, you know what? I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm, I'm going to praise God anyway. Despite I had a bad day and I'm in a bad mood and I'm tired, I'm going to lift my hands and praise him. Doesn't that mean more to him? It's the sacrifice. If it's predestined we worship, it's not a sacrifice. That is 
incongruent. There's no sacrifice when you're pre-programmed. But I'm like, you know what? I had a terrible day. I'm tired. I want to go home and nap. But you know what? I don't feel like praising, but I'm going to praise anyway. God goes, that smells good. Well, I didn't get to everything, but that's okay. We'll do it next. That was a good discussion because I think it does come back to the goodness of God. Uh, we got to go with the goodness of God first because all goodness that we do do in his name comes from him. And we'll talk more about that next week. We got to pray for Jack, right? Okay, we'll do that. Lord, just thank, thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you. You have adopted us. You sac it was sacrifice for you to be good to us because you didn't have to go to the cross and you did. And we have been adopted and we love you. Lord, help us through your Holy Spirit, to get that goodness that you embody to work through us so other people will see the fruit of goodness in our life. Lord, we pray for Jack. Lord, we just pray that you be with him right now. Strengthen him. Have your Holy Spirit guide and wisdom. Let him feel your presence and your power at this very moment. Your precious name. Amen. And amen. All right. Now you got